Welcome to the WriterFest podcast, where we celebrate writers of book, song, and film. Those magical, mysterious minds who pen the books we read, the songs we sing along to, and the shows and films we binge. I'm your host, Amy McConnell, publishing veteran, book doctor, and author. I've been in the publishing business professionally for a while now, but I still get so excited when I get to talk to writers. Well, today in the WriterFest podcast studio, my joy was doubled because I got to sit down with two of my writer friends, Andrew and Cindy. They're accomplished writers in their own right, but together they're collaborators who create amazing music. Cindy and Andrew are gifted and compassionate, but most importantly to me, they're genuine. They're so honest with themselves and with the world. I actually fell silent in our conversation a couple of times simply because the wisdom they were dropping was incredible. I feel super lucky to share this episode with you. So welcome to the Writer Fest podcast, Andrew Greer and Cindy Morgan. Hello. Hey. I'm so glad to see you. We've really been trying to get this on the books yeah. for the longest time, and we finally got together, and I'm so grateful you're here. Thank you for being here. Thank I'm looking you for forward to us. it. You're yes. a couple of my favorite people, so I'm glad you're here. So, <laughs> um, like, just and we've had you actually at Writer Fest before, so that's right. Uh, so, some of the, our listeners will be like, Oh, yeah, I got to see Andrew and Cindy in person, but um, I'm glad that you're here to, to talk with me today. So, for those of us who are, for the people who are listening who didn't get to meet you or didn't get to see you at the Writer Fest event, I'd love for you to just like tell a little bit about your who you are and what you're about. Well, yeah. You go. Are you want me to go first? Yeah, okay. I want you. ladies um, first. Okay, let's see. Um, well, I am. My name is Cindy, and I'm. You've already said that, so that's covered. <laughs> but like, uh, hey, hey. <laughs> I know I'm a recovering songwriter. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, so I'm a singer songwriter, and um, have been doing that here in Nashville since I think I moved here in '91. Um, and got my start back then at Word Records, which is a CCM label, and uh, did several records for them. And But uh, songwriting was always my first love, more than being an artist. I think being a, a songwriter was was, you know, kind of the connecting point. My parents were both songwriters and musicians and so anyway, um, when I had my first baby, I pushed pause and became a full-time songwriter. And then I moved to L.A. to kind of get out of that, um, the just the CCM market of writing. I wanted to write something different, something beyond that genre. And so I, I lived out in L.A. for a couple years and wrote for Warner Chapel L.A. and then moved back. And so anyway. Um, so cool. Yeah, you know, I think I have like... What a pivot. Well... I think I have like multiple personality disorder when it comes to music and writing because I can't quite choose a genre because I don't want to go, oh, I'm not writing for that genre anymore. And so so I feel like I've, you know, I've written in, in obviously CCM and, and uh, film and TV and bluegrass and country and pop and, and, and some Americana, which is where I feel like is my sweet spot. But anyway, so that's. Well, I guess that's Cindy, what I, do. I, I have to say, like, I want to dig into that just a little bit and just to say, like, those are, aren't they kind of artificial parameters, those, those genres? Well, I mean, I think that every, uh, there, there's a dialect for each genre in terms of how lyrics are written. Like, uh, uh, it's funny, my publisher, my music publisher, he's a New Yorker, 
and sometimes I hope he's not listening to this. Um, he's <laughs> awesome. I love him, and and he's a he's he he owns a, a pop publishing house in L.A., but he's a New Yorker. And when you don't live in Nashville, and you not you're not kind of immersed in that music row kind of mm-hmm. country music culture, so I'll send him something that is clearly like American. He'll be like, "Oh, it's country. I like it. It's country." I'm like, "Oh, that is not, <laughs> not country," yeah. because the dialect, you know, in which country music is 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 written, and the way the you know the turns of phrases and the way the verses and and the choruses are all set up. It's completely different than Americana or folk music, you know, which I think Americana and folk it's are... kind of Appalachian. Yeah, yeah Americana that's right. comes from the yeah, Appalachian that, That's right. World. And so it's like more... Mm-hmm. There's more mystery in... Haunt. It, ha- there's more haunt mm-hmm. and mystery in like Americana mm-hmm. and Appalachian, whereas country music, it is like, I need you to add it up for me. And drop me the hook at the end, you know. It's which a is, slick. Yeah, which I don't always love. But anyway, so so I do think there's a dialect for every genre that in terms of lyrics and, and of course, music as well. So it's interesting I, to I, learn I, the difference. I was just digging into the idea that yeah. you don't you refuse to be constrained to one or the other. Okay. You're, you're, I think that's interesting that you've said, I am not in just one lane. I am. I'm going to. Kind of maneuver around. It's a strength and, and a weakness. You yeah, know. it's cool and it's hard. Yeah, right? mm-hmm. uh, yeah, it's it's not always a good thing. It's not always the easiest marketing tool. Yeah, I yeah. mean, you know, yeah, when, when right. you're trying to make a living at your craft and you're diversely interested and maybe diversely talented, which I would say Cindy has gifts in all those genres. I mean, it's it's kind of hard because it's like, well, here's a multifaceted, multi-gifted songwriter. And yet, to do the most, (laughs) to do the most work, uh, you know, professionally for someone to take hold of it and run with it and make more money, quote unquote, which sometimes we're bartering our time Mm -hmm. with with income. I think then that can make it difficult. But what I've always loved about Cindy and our friendship is that you found a way to maneuver or to just say no to it always having to be income based, you know. And and I think the way we set up our lives as artists, as writers, as anything we do in a creative field that's fairly entrepreneurial. And let's face it, all creative fields have a certain element of entrepreneurship to it because we've got to go yeah. strike that deal. Mm-hmm. And we have to keep sitting down at the table with our pen and pencil, you know, and the paper to write or with our guitar to write. You know, if you don't write, there's nothing to offer to anybody. So it really is entrepreneurial. But I think what's interesting in that is if you can set up your lifestyle to afford what you love to do, which has I've always seen in Cindy's life and her family's life is let's set this up so that I can do what I love to do. Mm-hmm. And my parents were that way. They worked in very independent fields um, in their works. So did my brother. It's funny how that raises. Mm-hmm. Like your girls will be that way because they'll see that, okay, I could have exchanged that mortgage for a bigger one and a bigger one because that's what people do. Or I could stay in the same house, end up with no mortgage, and always have the opportunity and space to some degree uh, while still being able to eat and still letting my children eat to do what I love to do. So you're driven by your passions, which is not always the industry yeah, we, I mean, works, we work with. I mean, everybody you know? wants to get paid, but I do think that for me, if I think back, I mean, I signed the worst <laughs> con- rec- recording contract. Like, 
when when the when I finally had management and he just had his face in his hands, he was like, "Why would you sign this contract? Why did you not get a lawyer?" They said they told me it was expensive to get a lawyer, uh, so it's like you know I signed this total like they just your screwed me over, you know. <laughs> but but anyway, but I was well, like, I mean, oh, well, if you're, you're like so many people. I mean, we're, I we're like, young. oh, they're gonna pay you. You're gonna oh, you're right. giving right, me right, money right, right. to oh do records, especially when you're in your twenties you know? and you're young. Yeah, and you're, I, yeah, I was. I didn't know. I was girl. I was like straight out of the holler. I didn't know anything, <laughs> and I and I really I wasn't in it for the money. Mm-hmm. I was in it for love. I was in it because I because I was compelled um, mm-hmm. by music. Yeah. Well, we had this guest at. You may have even been there. I don't remember which year it was, but this uh, keynote speaker, Alice Randall, who spoke at Writer Fest, and she is she's done it all. She's been a number one. Um, country songwriter. She's done videos. She's written, I don't even know how many screenplays, best-selling books, cookbooks. She's just an amazing writer. And she, in her keynote to us, um, in her address, she said something that was just like, was such a light bulb moment for me. Was she's like, if you are a person who really, really wants to write, it's great to kind of get in touch with your motivation to write. And sometimes people write for money and sometimes they write for fame. Sometimes they write for lifestyle. Sometimes they write because they just have to. And she was like, any of those reasons are fine. Just like own it and then know. Just know why. Yeah. And you can even switch. Like you can be like, I originally started for the love, but now I'm in this Mm -hmm. season where I need to pay the bills. Mm -hmm. Or, you know, just case by case, like, there's something on my calendar right now, and I'm like, "Oh, that's that's a money that's a money gig." I'm yeah, I am not doing it because I want to. I'm, I'm doing it because it. it's a good mm-hmm. it's a good payday, and like, and there's pay some paydays the that it's like, mm-hmm. no, I I won't do that. You know, it's like, but there's some that sell a little bit. Yeah, too and much like, and I'm doing ourselves, it with friends. You know? So I, it's a gig where I'm doing it with other friends, and it's like, okay, I'm like hanging out with friends and doing this thing. And it's not, it's not my thing, but it's a, but yeah, it's like sometimes you will go, all right, there's enough boxes checked for me to say yes. Yeah, yeah, and weighing yeah. the cost is not always just weighing the cost of time or resources, but also like emotional resource. Yeah. Right? Cindy Ooh. taught me that a long time ago to weigh how much is that going to cost you emotionally, which is kind of like how much is it going to cost you of yourself. Yeah. And there's a certain tipping of the balance there that's absolutely not worth it, no matter what the price tag is. And you know, with my background coming from yeah, let's music. Yeah, I was going to say, hey, win it. Yeah. No, no, no. This, segway, this, segway. this feeds into that. But, you know, music being my initial background too, from recording and songwriting to performing, but that quickly evolved. I I didn't have the career like Cindy did that can sustain you for a while to do just that. So mine was always a little bit uh, multifaceted. And I don't think I have a straightforward brain and I didn't have anyone who was straightforwarding my brain. You know, I didn't have management in those early days. I was very much an independent artist, Mm -hmm. songwriter, all that kind of stuff. So no one was Mm -hmm. fashioning that for me or with or without my consent. You know, Mm Cindy could probably mm -hmm. have some stories where it was like, well, they were fashioning it for me, but that's not what I wanted. So there's all the variables in it, right? But then that moved into the written word. I'd always had a love for the written word. And so through the encouragement of different friends like Cindy, one of our friends, Patsy, who's a writer who uh, kind of Patsy. alerted Claremont, Claremont. who it. alerted me to poetry 
that that was in me. I thought I hated poetry, and she made me take a poetry class, and there was free wine, and I said yes. <laughs> and, and I took Jenny, yeah. actually one of our oh, close friends who's a songwriter, Jenny awesome. Owens. She and I went together every week, and I learned about my love for poetry, but then I started writing some books, and I and I still have some on my you know wish list that I hope I get to write. But then that turned into I love stories, so that was into fashioning conversations on camera through conducting interviews. And then it moves more into film, and I'm in the middle of documentaries right now. So so wow, you see that is the so pro- cool. I love well, it. Well, I love hearing about the keynote of Alice, right, to know that you, I'm always um, afflicted with the idea that I have too many, in- that mm. I will, that I'll end up at the end of my life, I'll look back and go, you did a lot, but you got nothing done, mm. you know, and that's always a concern. Now, I, I have to weigh that's that. That's a good with- tension, yeah. though, probably, yeah. right, to keep, it keep keeps me making alert. A, you keep making the um, decision every day. Like, did am I doing too many? And I have not? to weigh it with reality, which let's face it, in our writer brains, we're not always grounded with a lot of reality because we're dreaming up a lot of ideas. We we lose perception a little to be able to dream and dream up for mm. others and relate to others. But I can't let go of of my own reality, right? Like I can get out of my own reality to to connect with someone else and to, but I've got to stay grounded in my reality, which means, which usually is our community, right? That's our family and our community. And I think also <laughs> like attached to that, just cause we're such good friends and we know each <laughs> no, other, you can, you can speak but it's like, also, I think this is true for both of us that, you know, when, when things come, when offers come, like opportunities come and it's like, um, well, I should probably say yes. You know, like it's sometimes it is difficult to say no to a sure thing. Yeah. When even if it's it's a good thing, but maybe it's not your good thing. And and I know for you it's hard. I mean, because like, I, I struggle doing too many, juggling too many balls. Well, we've been on the phone this week yeah, about you know, my conflicts. About yeah, about it's like <laughs> how do you yeah. say no? Because it's like, why do I say no? And how where's that clarity personality wise? Like, you know, if you are a person who like wants to help, you're like, I like you to are help. a helper. I like and, opportunity as well. Yeah. I'm driven by opportunity to yeah. some degree. I, and I think I have to, just to, just to yeah. I don't even know if our listeners even are, care about this, but I, I I listened to the two of you talk with Ian Morgan Cron mm-hmm. on the the Road Back to You mm-hmm. podcast interview. And uh, I loved hearing that you're a two, right? Mm-hmm. You're a two. So Everybody's like, I'm most I like hope Jesus, people are. By the way. That's, they compare the twos to Jesus. You're oh, a two. Wow. We're Jesus or I'm Mother Teresa. That's How do you awesome. like that? I, I'm a two, and you're <laughs> a four, right? Four, right? Yeah, Which I right. think is just like Picasso. That's such an artist number, people. right? So many fours in Nashville, right? You know, and a two. I think no, a two is oriented because my background is editorial. <laughs> like I, grew, I kind of wow. come, came of age yeah. in publishing, book publishing. Um, came of age. You, I swear though, you have such a four vibe. though. I do. When we met, because you have. Have such a four vibe because you're so creative and you know free spirit. But twos right? go to you know, fours yeah. in their strength. Okay, that's, if I'm, yeah. if, there if, you go. If I'm comfortable yeah. with myself, I'm more four. But if I'm uncomfortable with myself, and Cindy knows this very well, I become an eight. Twos become eights. We become the eight holes. That- the eight, eight holes. Eight holes. <laughs> so, Andrew, really you'll, you'll appreciate this. That's my people say when I when I am in a stressed vibe, I start to be very businessy, and I go to my business. Voice that's what it is. One of your friends was just I'm talking to me hole, about like yes. I've got to get used to how to work with you because my texts are not filled with smiley faces when we're at work. <laughs> it's like yes, no. You should probably do this, but I'm not thinking about our personal. I'm not thinking about our our dinner hangs on Sunday. 
This is, you yeah, know, right. but I also don't think I'm disconnected from me. Yeah. I'm just like, well, in my mind, we are, only yeah. have so many minutes to live. So if you're going to bother me with this, I'm going to mm-hmm. take the and least amount of time. And you're juggling a lot. So, so it could yeah. be that I'm stressed too. I got to weigh, yeah. like, am yeah. I stressed? And where do we all have where we go? Andrew, I think we need stressed. a support group for yeah, that's right. the two. The best, you know, the what it's like to, to be Jesus. That's what they're going to call it. <laughs> fours go to two in stress. Isn't that funny? Mm-hmm. So fours <gasps> really? want Forget to themselves. help. Yeah, that, mm-hmm. it's like, okay, if I do something for someone else, I'll feel better about my stress right now. Oh, that mm-hmm. is wild. Yeah. And, and that's strange. Brilliant. And, and Brilliant we're going to be friends just, with them. <laughs> and we're totally going down a rabbit hole here, but we are truly, literally bringing in an, an Enneagram person for Writer Fest 2022 oh, to awesome. address like, Who's writer doing issues. It? Who is I, it? I can't tell okay, you. Okay, okay. So yeah, not announced Because we have it. a friend who... Well, we have a bunch of mutual oh, friends, I think, you yeah, guys. Oh, yeah, yeah. So, okay. Um, <laughs> and I, I think it might be somebody you know. But at any rate... I hope it's her. Let's... Let's circle back to where we were. Uh, So we kind of let listeners know a little bit about you, Cindy, Mm -hmm. and and a little bit about you. Gosh, there's so many hyperlinks within that conversation that I want people to follow. Like, I want people to listen to your podcasts, which are amazing. And I want people to know about your doc. Cindy, Mm -hmm. can you kind of address a little bit about like what you have in the works? Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. Yeah. The documentary record thing. I'm fascinated by this. uh, You know, it's funny because we've we've been working on this documentary, which is the working title is Bad Creek, and and it's about um, say it one more time. Bad Creek, because there's like Upper Bad Creek and, and Lower Bad, bad Creek. Creek. That's <laughs> right. I, you remember that from our long conversation? I, just, I oh remember thinking like your mom was from Upper and your dad was from Lower or something, and I yeah. thought that's t- that that's in right. itself feels like such that's a right. metaphor. There, or there you go. Yeah, totally. Well, so a friend of mine, Jeremy Bose, who's a kind of partner. Of mine, he actually, he and I actually did Writer Fest together the year. So we're in a a, a a band together that we do film and TV music together called Saint Lola in the Fields. So um, cool! I watched a video of the oh okay before yeah this podcast yeah. So and he's because we're mostly for I should say I should tell listeners that we're mostly friends. Yes, like, that's right. That's <laughs> right. That's right. That's right. Um, so. So, and I think... Mostly. Mostly in a sense of like, not, we've That's not right. ever worked yeah, together. we haven't worked together. Like a lot of the people who come on the podcast yeah, I've worked sure. with in some mm-hmm. form or fashion, but... That's yeah. right. <laughs> well, and I think on the subject of just creative collaborations, like Jeremy and I, we've been writing together for years and years, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. and uh, we just... I've, I love the things we write together, and he's he's a very different... He's a producer writer in that mm-hmm. he doesn't write... On his own, he's always writing with something, and you know, like, like responding. He, with, and yes, that's right. But he yeah. is so he's so smart and and just brilliant musically, and just so um, uh, he has a lot of incredible insight on life. And so I feel like he always brings my game up. Oh, and that's um, such a good he's, note. Yeah, he's to, so good. Yeah, like, because not everybody does. Bring you, bring yeah, out your best Yeah, because not self. everybody does, no, you know. No, And part of it is a vulnerability. Like, I feel like we're like that, in that we feel vulnerable with each other. So when we get in a room together and write, sure. we're not, we go way, we, we're going past the surface, you know. But anyway, so Jeremy and I, several years ago, like, I six or seven years ago, I was telling him about um, my family history and my parents, as you're referencing, are both grew up in Harlan County, which is like, you know, bloody Harlan, Eastern Kentucky. But my mom lived in Upper Bad Creek and my dad lived in Lower Bad Creek, Kentucky. 
And my dad used to say, um, the farther back you got in Bad Creek, the the worse it was and the more dangerous it was because the the longer it took for the law to get there if something yeah. went wrong. Yeah. And it was like, and your mama lived in the last house. And um, and uh, so anyway, but but really, the story was born out of my, oh, my grandpa gee. Barney um, because his life was like infamous. I mean, he just lived such a complicated and tragic and uh, uh, dangerous life. And, um, and, 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 and so I think the documentary that we started working on was really based on his life, but as we've, as the years have gone by and we've written all these songs for it, so it's like a soundtrack with a documentary and, um, you know, it's really not just about him, but it's about, you know, everything that touched, that he touched and kind of the impact of the people around it. Cause there's so many uh, interesting characters that if you grow up in that part of the world and, you know, like my aunt Bill, who was a, a so, I'm yes, sorry, Bill, Willa May was her name, but, but she preferred to be called Bill while Bill. And she was a Pentecostal preacher. And, um, I was what? terrified of her. And, <laughs> and, and my mom was also a pre a Pentecostal preacher, but she sang. So she like totally, snuck in mm. she would come mm. they would invite her to sing she's a great singer and uh, a gospel singer and so she would show up at these old country churches in the mountains in kentucky and she'd sing a song and then she'd preach for 20 minutes and then <laughs> wow. and the pastors would be like just those old you know i want no woman preacher right. you know just fuming on the front row oh but gosh. she had the she mic and, uh, <laughs> awesome and, um, and oh my gosh do you know lee smith do you ever read lee smith Oh, I, okay. You've got a gift coming yes, in the mail okay. from me. Oh, thank because you. Because Lee Smith okay. is one of my all-time favorite okay. writers, and she writes fiction set in the Appalachians, okay. and she That's writes great. about our people, mm-hmm. our, your people, yeah, for yeah, sure. Yeah. And in fact, she has some Pentecostal preachers in there. Oh, sometimes. I like so it. That's awesome. You're gonna, you're gonna love it. But I love that you're you've been working on this documentary mm-hmm. through. You said. You've written and recorded a soundtrack. So we've we've written and we've recorded like demos, you know. So they're not fully done, but we've recorded a, probably fourteen songs oh that goodness. are kind of compan- you know, that that kind of tell the story, the parts parts of the story. But um, we have a whole idea of how to present it you, live, and um, and but you know, Do, it's a work I, I in feel progress. Like I, I, I watched a video of quote unquote like the song "Wait." Am I? Did I? Is that is now, that a different that, Saint Lola? That, no, that's that's me. That's so. That's my solo thing. Saint Lola. So so this that was will, that was very yes. con, that was historical. Like because I remember watching the video and it was very historical yes, feeling. Right, right. Live footage. Yeah, of some, that's right. Like, a train. And, yeah, yeah. awesome no, song. And the video was really strong. I thought maybe um, it was connected to this. It's not Saint Lola. So so and this actually will not be a Saint Lola project. This will be a a, a, a kind of a project that's kind of. I guess a solo because I'm the common denominator and that it's my family, but I don't know. I, um, so but it's been going, you've been doing that for yeah. how many years? I mean, years? part of it, seven? yeah, and it's pers- part is because we're doing it on the side, and because doing it's a documentary personal. is like complicated, it's like a and research. Paper. I'm so grateful that I got my Aunt Bill on that we got her on film before she died because yeah. she, she passed away, and mm-hmm. and um, and my aunt. Uh, my aunt Sue, 
And, um, you know, so we're still working on it. We actually have some friends who are, that's what they do. I mean, Jeremy and I, that's not what we do. We love documentaries. Mm-hmm. It's not, mm-hmm. we are music makers who are interested in, in that, um, you know, in that field and, and, and presenting this in that way. But we are, we've kind of found a couple friends who are interested in doing it with us, and that is what they do. And so mm, that's exciting. Yeah. My two is coming out, right? So I'm like, who can I, who do I know? Yeah, that help like, me. I'm pulling out my, Come on, my phone to be like, who do I know that can make this happen? Because it's I know, so cool. I want to watch it. Well, I want to, you know, I want to be a part can of it. Can Lee wanna... get me into, I, I, we need, we Maybe. really want to go to a snake handling church up there and get some footage, but it's hard to get in because they don't want to let mm-hmm. you in. You know, mm-hmm. with a camera. They don't want to be exploited. Yeah, either. and that's I know, but so I'm not. I just want. I, I want to document I mean, it. It's I know, just Andrew interesting. And I love you. I mean, I might be willing to hold a snake. Would like, you? you well, I can. Me. I also know how to hold cameras in very discreet settings Ooh, where we're not we're, allowed. Okay, we're gonna go. Because <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, my brother Hayes. Yeah, he's I mean, he has friends who go to a yeah. snake handling church, and he's like, I can get you in, but you can't bring no I camera. I can't tell you how many yes. times. Well, with iPhones now, I mean, this is the beautiful, the creative world. Yeah. iPhones are 4K. Yeah. And so, I mean, I've had, I've been instructed by a director of photography I work with of where to hold my camera at certain times when we're not loud places. Because they're looking for him to have his camera, and they don't. But they're not looking at me, mm-hmm. the, yeah, the that's director great. and the normal citizen. Yeah, so yeah. I have footage of some historic stuff. That's great. That, okay. Anyway, so there's okay. ways. We'll talk. <laughs> what, what the, so we're, we've, I, I mean, I asked you about that. I wanted to hear about it. I love how you are a boundary disregarder. <laughs> you're like, <laughs> you, know, you know, you're like, I am a writer. I'm going to write in the genre that I am led to to that I want to write in and I'm going to create where I want to create. And I, I know you've written some books and that you've got some books in you too. Friends, let me tell you if you don't already know about Thistle Farms. It's a social justice enterprise that provides healing, housing, and employment for women survivors of trafficking, prostitution, and addiction. The way they employ survivors while also funding their mission is by selling beautiful lotions, scrubs, candles, I love the candles, and essential oils that are handmade by the women in their program. The products are incredible and they're the perfect way to make conscious purchases of practical items like hand soap and their thoughtful gifts. So use the code WRITERFEST, all one word, for 15% off at thistlefarms.org and that offer expires at the end of 2021. How are you spending your well, days? Like he's right up now? to so many. Following cool off the documentary, I own a part of a film production company now. Now that came out of naturally needing uh, crew to film some of the what were podcasts turned into more video series with a um, a relationship with Amazon. So there's stuff that I do from the interview side, where the more journalistic side, where I'm interviewing people a lot in the faith based world because that's where a lot of my musical background was and a lot of my connection was was with um, kind of gospel or inspo artists. But as I got into film, I've always loved visual stuff. In fact, if I remember, like even one of our friends, Julie, who used to do some of my videos on the music side, I was always in the details of it. I was like, this minute to this minute out, this minute over, you know, and, and I'm type A, so there's some of that that I can't control, but... <laughs> but you can't control some of the things that you control? 
Absolutely. That's a very good way to put it. Yeah, I actually, I resonate with that 100%. I tell people sometimes, I, I wish I could do better, but um, with film, uh, I do love the visual representation of things. And we live in a world where story is told visually now. It just is. We have to accept that to some degree. It doesn't mean I'm still a physical book buyer. I still have a physical or written word you know, I have books I want to write still, even though I have two in the can. They're not, they don't express me totally, right? We have to grow oh my into, gosh, yeah. into the places where we earn a space to As soon as they're out, ourselves. you're like, I'm not that person anymore. Oh, yeah. And, well, and before they're out, if you're like that, then it's troublesome. But um, I think I've been working on a documentary uh, that's been inspired by, we're in the post-production process now of it. Uh, that is set in Plains, Georgia, in deep southwest Georgia, about two and a half hours southwest of Atlanta. It's a town where President Carter and Mrs. Carter live and have lived 90 years of their life. They're almost 100. Um, That's amazing. Predominantly in a black community, yeah. Yeah. And so, of course, President Carter was kind of a forerunner from the white voices, especially in the deep south, about civil rights. That doesn't mean he was always on the... the front end of it, but he was one of the front runners of white voices. And so anyway, as I've always been inspired by President Carter's life, by the way that he's conducted his life without boundaries. I mean, he came from a peanut farmer to he was in the uh, nuclear um, engineering and submarine, like some of the first nuclear submarine engineering world. Then he went back to being a peanut farmer, then a senator, a governor, a president, and then became one of the greatest philanthropists in the world. So, you know, never was said, to be this is my goal this is my end goal this is where I end right so I've always been inspired by that plus his relationship with land and his relationship with uh, people that he doesn't look like so uh, that's always been interesting to me we got into the town and we were like okay President and Mrs. Carter are definitely of interest and this was through building relationships with the town etc but the town is spooky it's, it's haunted in a way which a town of 600 people in deep, deep southwest Georgia is completely disconnected from the world in some ways. Absolutely charming that I grew up in a rural place in Texas, so I'm connected already with people who see each other when they walk down the street and you go get coffee and you hear everybody's business. I'm not intimidated by that. I love that. So then my eye and our crew start seeing this town is divided with a train. And the white people live over here, and the black people live over here. This is classic, even under the purview of one of the greatest leaders of civil rights in United States history. And so arguably, of course. So anyway, so then we began diving into what does race look like in the 2020s, in the Deep South, under the influence Mm. of great leaders. And so that, you know, is a story that goes way beyond my music or my songwriting or interviewing Christian artists, you know, I mean, that's getting into territory that you can say a lot and you can actually, like, you could offend a lot, you could hurt a lot, you could encourage a lot, inspire a lot. You know, we were talking earlier, Amy, you and me, about, I just feel a release from offense. If I'm gonna create and tell story, now I'm I'm not I don't tell very politically based stories so maybe this would be different if I if I was in that realm because I'm just trying to tell human interest stories then I free myself up from what the audience is going to interpret they have to interpret I cannot control the way they interpret whatever story I'm telling of course I will influence that story because I'm in it right but I think the the best like end goal of art is to just lay out the story that has it's been told up to here 
and let you take it from there. You may not even be in a, you may not even be a Southerner. You may not even be an American. You may um, live in a very diverse community. And hopefully, if you watch this film because you're interested in Carter, you're interested in the race relations in America or whatever it is, that you will have suddenly new conversations first in your brain and then around your table and then in your community because of what you observed in this story. You know what I mean? I'm not telling the whole story. I think sometimes as writers, we think that, you know, it's, we were taught this in elementary school, beginning, middle, end. I think it's beginning, middle. You know, the end is kind of my end. What I want people to maybe take from it is somewhere in the beginning and middle to me. They're going to have to end it, you know, which we don't get the opportunity to do that in a song necessarily because it needs to end or it's going to fade, <laughs> you know, but... I think that's the beauty of like how, at least how my storytelling has transpired. And then I'll get to do a soundtrack for it. Like I've already put bids on it. Like I want to do the soundtrack for it because it's going to be very Plainsy and American. I've seen it. I've witnessed it. I've lived with these people. Now, now they're some of my closest friends. I, and I'm a musician. Let me do it. Now, will I get in over my head? Maybe. Will I be the wrong person to do it? I'll find out. If I am, <laughs> I'll relinquish. But... I think it's, you know... It's in you. It's inside Research. Yeah. It's research, right? We all do. That's one thing about Cindy that I've always appreciated is, like, you're willing to sit... You're willing to let the process take its time. And I think in a commercial world where we have to constantly put out... And now, content... We're content curators, and yet we're told we need to put it out every single second, almost, right? So for me to go, no, I'm not a TikToker. I'm just not. I think some TikTok is pretty brilliant. I think some, how people create content for TikTok is phenomenal. You know, that's like a part of the brain I can't access. But I'm in it for the long haul. I'm into the long stories. I'm into the evergreen. I'm into the things that might have someone 40 years may look back at that, and it still have a relationship to their life then or to the life of the world. I think that takes... It's like a re like you were saying about your documentary. It's a research paper then. It's hard and it's details and it takes a ton of discipline to say, I actually can't see the end, but I know it's there. I know I'm on the right path. I know I am. You can't stop. And some of it's gut. Stop. Some of it's gut. Yeah, some of our crew at times has been like, <clears throat> but we don't know the story. We're, what are we doing? We, why are we doing more, filming more? We don't know the story. And I'm like, I, here's what I can promise you as the director. I can't detail you the whole story. You're right. But I know it. I know the story. It's and it's complete in me. Mm. It just hasn't completely been exercised yet. But I have to live here a little longer for it to do that. Oh, I can't. I can't just it's go good. to my laptop and yeah. type it out. No, I gotta live here. I mean, you know? I feel like that happens all the time in fiction writing, where it's like you're writing and you really don't. I mean, you're, it's the headlights or. You can see there, but then suddenly something appears that you didn't know was coming, you know, right. and, I, and I'm sure that's going to happen in your, and has happened over and over in your story where it's like someone appears right. that fills in a puzzle piece that you, you but really you needed, but you didn't even know what you it was. You had to be you know? there and you had to be available and you had to be yeah. in the car driving in that direction. And I think that's where a lot of people stop. There was a lot of people who always wanted to write a book or started one or it takes an extreme amount of discipline to create. And I think that can seem like a, a downer, but any of your listeners who are in the thick of it know that that's absolutely true. So there can be inspiration in that to go, no, that it does take... Mm -hmm. Emmylou Harris is one of my favorite songwriters of all time, and she would not consider herself a songwriter. And some of her biggest songs, she did not write. 
she also interprets a lot of people's songs. She's one of my favorite vocalists, musicians, the whole thing. And she's got a great mane of white hair. I mean, the whole picture is good for me. So I love Emmy Lou. But I, when I heard or read an interview that she wrote about songwriting and the task of songwriting being one of the most rewarding things that she submitted herself to, but that she absolutely had to submit herself to a process that she could not always see the end of. And most of the process did not feel great, you know, Mm. but the result is putting your pick to the guitar and your voice to the mic and singing an expression that you submitted yourself to. In some ways that's true service to people, you know, that's how art can serve, you know, Maybe. So much. So much. She just packed so much into that. And, and I think it's so interesting to me, Andrew, that you're cool with the shorter form, the, the podcast, like the short, we're, we're the in, moment. we're done, you know, mm-hmm. like that kind of thing. But also these longer, I don't know when this is going to be done kind of deals. And, and that you are equally passionate about whichever well, I one think you're in. I think it's, our, it's different people, different ilk. I tend to associate with people who have that. I get very tired quickly by people who need immediate results and who need to turn it in tomorrow. I get exhausted. I and have a new idea every minute. That's also going to exhaust me. If you got a new idea, which Cindy and I have maneuvered that territory because she's got a lot of ideas. But she also, like, I think we sit next to people who we resonate with because they help encourage us down that path. And and uh, Cindy, has you have a lot of that natural discipline, if you want to call it that, or determination or passion to see things through to the end over the long haul. You don't just write three-minute songs. Well, yeah. You know what? I think that I, I think the, the good and bad part about being an idea person is that the real test for any creative is it's not about the idea you start. It's about the idea you finish. Mm. And, you know, what, so how much energy, like I think about your documentary and I think you kind of like can sense, you know, I think creatives can sense this is an idea I will, I will not rest until it's done. It may take forever freaking long. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's like, but I am not going to relent until this is done. And I think one of the hard, so what I'm trying to learn is like the discipline to go, all right, I'm going to finish this before I start something new. And that's that's difficult for me because I feel like I'm always juggling four or five things and you too. It's hard. Yeah. And, um, and sometimes, you know, like I can't, so this like documentary, I mean, I'm, it's a side thing. I'm, I'm, I'm making time for it. So I have to be doing other things, but I can't give up on it. I have to keep going. I think, but that's the hard thing about ideas. Like we, you know, like it's our most valuable commodity as creators is your ideas. That is, that is your intellectual property that's so valuable. But does it have the kind of legs that it's going to mean something in the end? Like sometimes... Um, you know, when you're like to bring it back to songwriting, yeah, you're in a songwriting appointment and either it's you or someone else brings up a, you know, a song idea. And I heard, I heard a songwriter say, oh yeah, that's just got C DNA all over it. It's like, it's not a, A. you know, it's just not a winner. (laughs) 
And it doesn't matter how much we're going to polish this turd. In the end, it's going to be a turd, you know. But but like some, yeah. There's there's not enough. There's not enough juice uh-huh. in this idea to take us all the way to the I don't finish line. Love using the descriptor juice with turd, but I hate I, it. <laughs> it's so gross. I can't even believe I said you know, that word. You know, the, the, <laughs> it's on. It's recorded now. Yeah. We're gonna like do a, a meme with it, where Cindy keeps going turd, 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 turd. juice, juice, juice. <laughs> <laughs> so gross. <laughs> the, well, it reminds. You just like, need some sound effects. <laughs> Jason, you can help us with that. What you're saying with ideas does remind me of this book that y'all may have read. Uh, Patsy, who I was talking about earlier, our friend, just gave it to me recently. It's called The Creative Habit, and it's written by Twyla Tharp. And Twyla Tharp, oh, she's great. Is a choreographer in New York City, and has been. She's still. She is now in her 80s, but I think still working. And she is a world famous, I don't know the world of dance, but world famous in choreographing and very innovative and all this kind of stuff. But she talks about a couple things that are really interesting to me. One is is what is actually the fire in your bones and stay in your lane there. So like she was one day um, early on in her career, she went to college for dancing, realized she had a knack for choreography, out of college, was starting to get work, was designing, sketching some costumes for the dancers so that she could understand how the costumes would play into the dance. And she looked at her sketch and she was like, I'm a pretty good sketch artist. Actually, I think I'm a pretty good costume designer. Actually, I think I should be a painter. You know, like these things we do. Mm. She let that live for like a week, that little train of thought before she said, stop. You are a choreographer in the sense of not a, it wasn't a limiting thing. She was like the fire in your bones is to construct mm. these dances. Yeah. You let you might be an okay visual artist and you might have been able to be a painter, but that is not, it was the discipline of, of harnessing all our ideas and thoughts and then two, you, you should just, I hate books that are like about what you do. I hate that. I hate like, here's steps one, two, and three to be better at what you do. It's like, shut up. Let, let, me, just, can, let me just immerse myself in the art of different people's arts and, <clears throat> and glean what I want. But anyway, she's a fantastic writer. So that was a draw on me. And then the way she, she's just such us, right? So I want to interject Stephen King on writing. It's funny because that's such a great book about writing because it's really about how he became a writer. And so you see the DNA of it, but it's not a how-to. Yeah, it's kind of A&E, right? Because it's like bio. It's like, it is interesting because it's their story, but you're like, whoa, me, 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 me. Mm So she also has this, which I think I'm going to start practicing. I don't know. I haven't committed to it yet. We'll but check back in with you in six weeks. Please. Not maybe like <laughs> a year. But the boxes, she takes those old file boxes, like you put your old taxes in, you used to and stuff, those cardboard fold-out boxes that you can get at Walmart or whatever, mm-hmm. takes that. And when she starts with an idea, it could be for a dance, but it could be the music that she is thinking about for it, or it could be like this stuffed animal made her think of like a position for a dancer. And she, mm-hmm. she puts all of it in the box, kind of her ideas box for this one n- next potential project. She may have not been hired for it. She may not know where it's going to land. She will it kind of exhaust that box. There may be other boxes too. So she's saying there's multiple ideas going on. And then at some point you pick one based on getting hired or needing it or whatever. But she will kind of exhaust that box with ideas. And if it gets to a place where it's like, there's no more juice here, takes the box she does not discard it 
She files it away because she says there may be something in that box that later either could be regenerated mm-hmm. into a really great mm-hmm. idea because I'm in a different season of life with different experiences and different needs for my dancers, et cetera. Or it may be that you jogged a memory. You have it filed here so you don't forget. Or somebody, or a collaboration. Someone else yes. could fill in those yes. blanks for you. Absolutely. Yeah. Or you need an idea. Like you're, someone asked for something and you want to fulfill that. And you're having to come up from scratch. You've got your boxes that, oh, those never ended up. These were half-baked ideas, if you will. And you start thumbing through these things. And So I think ideas are our fodder, and they should not be our enemy. But how do we put them in a place where they can be used for our good, not to torment us? Because ideas that aren't kind of uh, given their place... I think can torment us sometimes. It's yeah. like, I never completed that, or I, that was such a good idea, and yeah. I never did anything with it. Well, You're feeling like a failure because you have all these unfinished yeah. ideas. Instead, yeah. put it in, unfinished ideas are usable, maybe. That's good. Mm-hmm. You know, so, and it also kind of, you look at those boxes, and she's like, I do work. Right. I am not this was just, fruitful. I'm not just walking around spinning. the house all day, mm-hmm. you know, cleaning the blinds. I may be doing that, but I'm working. I'm thinking, you know, kind of stuff. Yeah. I don't know where cleaning the blinds came up. I've never cleaned the blinds. <laughs> hey, some people. But you know do. how you do stupid yeah, stuff when you're right. like Just stuff that you don't want to do. Yes. Yeah, because you're thinking. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because your brain yeah, is I think free. I'm off the floor or you yeah. know cut the roses. sweep. I love to sweep and think. <laughs> you love. To I love sweep to. Bro- and think. I mean, I love old school. Like, give me a broom and a labor and a dustpan and sweep the floor. I just think about things when I sweep the floor. It might clean know. up the car, like yeah. as you're, maybe it's representing like yeah. or gardening, clearing the space. You know, you know? yeah, well, yeah, gardening. You know, yeah, that age old thing of the best ideas come to you when you're in the shower. I get so passionate about when I'm when I've read a new book that I'm just so excited to to share, um, or if I've watched a new series on Netflix or something, and I see the writing was so good on that, or if I'm listening to something, I just love to share that. So I'd love to see or hear what y'all are excited about as far as anything that's been written, mm-hmm. music, yeah. film, TV, podcast, um, what are you up to? What are you okay, to? What are you ex- two things, right maybe three. All right, so I'm reading a book that my daughter, uh, Savannah, who she's 18, goes to Lipscomb, where Writer Fest is held, and um, she's a very, uh, she, she is a, she's, she has a 60 book a year goal that she always reaches. <laughs> love she's that a girl. reader. Mm-hmm. And uh, anyway, Smart. but she, she, she wanted me to read this book and I am reading it and I am loving it. It's called The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. Hmm. Do you know about it? Another guest has mentioned oh, it. Oh, man. It's great just because we don't realize how hurry just eats our lunch like it just it eats our life up and so um so that book is really really uh, I'm, I'm just kind of in the first 50 pages of it but I'm really loving that it's a great title to keep looking at daily right? and go ooh, yeah that's a, a to yeah. is the tone of the book in line with that Instruction. So does that it's, it's, question make it's, sense? Mm-hmm. It's a great it's a great read. It's very conversational. Um, it's written by a guy who it could be written by Andrew. It's this personality, like very bright, very fast, very like type A. And so you know, he says, "I am the very person 
then the last person that should be writing a book about not hurrying, because I am the guy who's sitting at the stoplight and like, why aren't they going? Why aren't they going? Why aren't they going? You know, and a- maybe that's why ADD. he should be the first yeah, and person. And then he says that uh-huh. teach what like, we need to learn. Yeah, and so, but I, the book is a great read. It's a very, it's so super it's conversational. Read? Yeah, it's a really easy read, and mm-hmm. it's, um, and he's fun, he's really funny. Um, but super insightful. And, uh, so yeah, it's, it's like listening to reading. It is like listening to a good podcast. Hmm. It's got a lot of humor and a lot of, so yeah. So, and so are you reading it physically or are you yes, listening to and it? Both. Okay. I'm, I have both. So I started audible, but then I, I bought it. And so I'm, I'm reading, I'm, re- I'm I think I'm going to just read it. I mean, I'm always listening to three or four books on audible, but at this one, I want to read it. You, Obviously not always, but you keep three books on Audible going at the same time? Well, that I'm just listening to for different times of the day. Not simultaneously. I understand that that would be really noisy, but at the same time, I've never heard anybody that listens to three different... That's wow. Well, it's just, like reading. I read four or five at the same time. Yeah, you yeah. know, because it's like you feel like this at this time of the day. Like the other book I was going to mention... And then I'm going to mention music. But uh, the other book is I'm reading a Tara French, uh, The Likeness. And so she's an Irish mystery writer. And so uh, another book person recommended it. Does she read it herself? And on, on it's, the an, it's an Irish person. So, I don't think so it's it her. Happen. Oh, it's, it's fantastic. And so it's like beautifully written. It has a lot of great descriptiveness, but it also has this really great kind of like Sherlock feeling kind of mystery and uh but it's it's set in modern and, day and the title was what the likeness the likeness ta- okay. i think it's tana tara french tana french like t-a-n-a tana tana yeah and then in terms of music there's always new music i mean i, I love sasha sloan i think she's got a great song called um only child so if you haven't heard that song oh my gosh it's it's the kind of song that you go damn it why didn't I think of that it's so it's just so beautifully and she recorded it live here in Nashville in a little session with a couple players it's so good and then one other thing I don't mean to monopolize this this, no, like, this thing I know you've got your list mm. but uh, man if you haven't pulled out the essential playlist of Earth, Wind, and Fire in a Wire, well, you should, because every song in that essential playlist. Oh man, it's just so good. It just makes me so happy. I I can't remember what Earth, Wind, and Fire song it was recently, but I was like, I've never really noticed, but I don't know what they're actually singing. Oh, like is it like September? Yes, and so I pulled out the lyrics, and I was, I was reading the lyrics, and I was like, wow, these are actually really good, but we just sing it like that. Yeah, I know. Yeah, no, that's a good prompt. And Justin Timberlake has a remake of that song, and it's pretty good. It's pretty good. It's pretty good, but it's not. Let the record show how much I love Justin Timberlake. I love him. Got good grooves. He is good. He's great. There's nothing to be about that. Does he have a, oh, no. of my favorite podcast? Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, like everybody in the free world, I've just finished The Rise and Fall of Mars Hill. I mean, mm, it's it was good. It was great. It's great. I thought that was a very 
I, I thought it was great. Have you have you listened to it? Oh, oh man, has a big mega church in Seattle yeah. by what's his face? Mark Driscoll. Mark Driscoll. And it was super corrupt with power and yeah. things you might misogynist. Yeah, and, but it, yeah, it explores like, it in an extremely well yeah. done journalistic yeah. way. I, mean, it's I think amazing. I can pass on that. Okay. Yeah. okay. <laughs> it's Some so good. But it's yeah, good. it's you, so compelling. But it's like you're pissed. If a you lot. have a lot of yeah. culture, it might not be the best thing. But if you feel Comfortable in your <laughs> well, I I didn't feel that angry. If you feel comfortable in your spirituality, so you can listen to it s- simply as a journalistic uh, story, uh-huh. it is a story very very well told. Oh, it's great! It, it creates the dynamic yeah. and the arc and the contrast. Because they have compassion for him, even though he is. Well, I don't even. I don't know. I mean, I think they try and help you to understand maybe his motivation and. I think they just lay it out there. Which I mean, is they journalism. do. They, yeah. yeah, that's right. Yeah. I mean, I'm just saying. It doesn't feel. I feel like they. You see the whole picture. Yeah. It's not a. There's no. No one has an angle on it. Yeah. As far right. as you can do that. Yeah. Right. They, no one can do that purely. Yeah. Poetry. Do you read poetry? I do um, a little. I mean, I, I mean, love Mary Oliver. Does, Mary, I love otherwise, Mar- like the. It's <laughs> tough. Yeah, I love lot, Mary but. Oliver, and um, honestly, my my daughter Savannah. She writes poetry, and I get her to read me her poetry, and it's mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. I feel like she is a better writer at eighteen than I'll ever be. She's so she's got such a. Gift. What does that mean, Cindy? What does that mean? She's a better writer than I'll ever be. I just think when I listen, when I, when she reads me her poetry, I just see I see so much like depth and like. She's, she poses things in a way that I'm like, oh, I wouldn't have thought to go there. And, like, you know, that domino makes that domino fall. And um, and so, and I know she's my kid, but I swear I think I'd, I'd feel like that. You know, some poetry feels too overdone. It feels like it kind of... It's like you you kind of go back to some well too much or but anyway but her her it just feels so earthy and 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 just old I, so anyway so so yeah I mean my daughter's poetry is is really inspiring to me okay I like it I don't read a lot of poetry either but because of a project I'm involved with a different documentary there was a young man named Maddie J T Stepanek who died in 2004 uh, he had a at 13, he had mitochondrial myopathy, which is a just mm-hmm. basically all your voluntary yeah. things don't work. So he was on breathing machines and stuff. But he became uh, just kind of a poet on the world stage through his friendships with Oprah and these kind of people. So I started digging. <laughs> there are people that are like <laughs> Oprah? What? So, well, you know, <laughs> no. the, the great uh, gatekeeper, mm-hmm. the great. Good grief. Yes, right. Opening doors. Here's, yeah, yeah, we'll get to the next life and there'll be Oprah. So, <laughs> so um, he writes, though, he wrote, wrote from a very old soul. I mean, to think that he was 13 when he died and he was writing this from the time he was five. So his poetry is called Heart Songs and there's several Heart Songs books. You probably have to look. You can find them on Amazon and eBay, but only use. They're all out of print now. They were all New York Times bestsellers. I do not remember this. I was Man. in college. I know some people who do remember it because of just who he impacted. But it's cool to hear someone with such great conflict in their physical body be so unconflicted to some degree in his spiritual body. And so that's really cool for us, especially like in the middle of uh, our heightened sense of illness with the Mm, pandemic, you know. Good observation. um, Which illness is normal for our context here, you know, as humans. 
So we've become very not okay with our normal. And I think he had to live with that normal. There was no denying it at any point. And then wow. to see what came out of that. So there can be a bit of a pr- prophetic voice to poetry, you know, when, when the messenger is, has a certain... Um, background. Also, Educated is a book that probably a lot of people have heard about. It's a biography by Tara Westover. One of the most beautiful books I've ever Mm. read. It is brilliant. And of course, she comes from an off-the-grid background, religious legalism, but her family, like the things that the events surrounding her childhood and growing up years are horrific in the sense of what she did not know until she went to Cambridge. Right? She went to, or Oxford. Harvard, I think. Wherever. But she ended up over in London, too at some point in her education and had a break Educated, in her psyche get... because of what she did not know that was natural to know. And it's really cool. And in the way she deals with it with seemingly open-endedness of like not hating on her family and not hating on a religion and just really saying, I'm still learning, you know, and Anyway, the the only other one I would mention, which I'm sure the whole world knows by now, and I kind of hate it because at first it was like a, not everyone knew about it, but it's this little book called, um, I want to get the title right, The Boy, the Mole, the Fox, and the Horse, which Charlie Maxey wrote, but he illustrated, because he put his whole artistic value in it, or vision in it, of not only writing this very simple, it's like mantras on each page, right? Like at one point the mole asked the boy, what do you want to be when you grow up? And he says, kind. You know, it's like those just kind of beautiful overarching statements, but with these unsuspecting characters and then that he drew it all. You know, like every, every mm-hmm. text, everything is Charlie. So it's cool when one, it's cool when teams of people come together, but it's also cool when a person. Like Shel Silverstein, I mean. Kind of bursts yeah, it. It's like yeah. their baby. That came out of their womb. You know, and you I mean, feel it. You yeah, feel that in the book, and yeah. when you see the art, and that's great. It's massive. I want everyone in the world has a copy. I resisted reading it because I because everyone else in the had world read had it, it, and then it was in my therapist's office. Yeah. So I was like, "All right, I guess I got to read it." If she, you know. and it's like for real, so, but it's for it's, real, very, very good. Yeah, and it's someone very, gave it to me about four years ago, so I was like, "Oh." This is awesome. And I started giving it to people, and then you know, suddenly it's like the bestseller on Amazon and stuff. But you know what? That's also something I that, think we can own. When good art becomes popular, it doesn't make it less good art. That's right. I so it's so funny. This is a great for me. This is an interesting blossoming idea that we're sharing. I remember years and years ago when Butterfly Kisses came out, and I was like, "Give me a freaking break." Yeah. It felt so like manipulative, and so I made it a challenge to myself to listen to it like every time it came on, which was often. Right. And, Just make yourself and yeah. not and not cry. I cried every freaking time, <laughs> and I was like, "What's going on? Like, what is going on in me?" And at first, I was angry because I felt very manipulated by the <laughs> art, and then I started thinking, "Well, shit, it's just good. Right. Like, it's just a really good." Some things are universal. It's not like it's necessarily morally pure. It's just really good art because it can really trigger me, which was so interesting. Um, It must have come from a real place in Bob Carlisle, who that's his song. You know, it must have come from something real in his life. I feel like if it doesn't come from something real, it was not manufactured. Yeah, then it's not going to make it's not going to make you cry. They say if you don't cry, they won't cry. Interesting. 
That's yeah, that's huh. a great point. And yeah. and sometimes sap, you know, we hate it when sap, hate sap works yeah. because but you know what? Some things in life are sappy. I mean, that's where we get it. Like everything that is manipulated in its origin is true, is authentic. You know, you you can manipulate love to be sex or you can manipulate love to be control and some form of emotional abuse or you but in its pure form, love is love. I think we're getting like platonic right now or something. <laughs> we can do... We're going, we're going to Plato, I think, with, <laughs> we, with we Andrew can, Greer. We yeah, can do right. things to these, but, but we, it's like we have a hunch. Yeah. It's how we know that it's manipulated. It's how we know that that's not the healthy course for it because our hunch. Now, unhealthy people will go further down the path of unhealthy things until they get healthy. Right, you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. You can't convince an unhealthy you person t- that they're didn't doing. Didn't you say your dad things. was a therapist? Like, I, yeah. I feel like we're but going there now. But he's not full now. as much BS as I am. He's <laughs> way now, okay. more straightforward. So, what's the difference between a Hallmark movie right. and Butterfly? Don't be hating on Hallmark movies. I'm okay, not, I was but I'm just saying because they're there. They, it's formulated. Well, I would say one is music and one is a terrible movie. But <laughs> so, amen. I, I think music <laughs> is a, a platform that is meant to elicit emotion and paint pictures yeah. in these ways. Movies are too. Yeah. I actually have some very deep thinking friends who during Christmas season love a Hallmark movie. Hallmark Christmas is better than just regular Hallmark. <laughs> but why do you, you allow I mean? yourself to be manipulated? Are you being manipulated in Christmas season? I mean, why I do think you- so. I mean, I think you want that <laughs> feeling. You want... To watch, you want to manufacture the You feeling. know, like Savannah and I watch Princess Diaries 1 and 2 every Christmas. I mean, we are going to watch that. I mean, that's not Hallmark, but it but it does have Julie, Julie Andrews in it, so well, that helps. But maybe, it's that. Sometimes feelings, and I don't know, This yeah. is we're on a writing conversation yeah. and any more about this, but I think sometimes feelings are like, you if you get a chance to experience a feeling in a way that's not novel, yeah. right? Like when you meet a new person, you uh-huh. have novel feelings uh-huh. with them. You're, you're not, where did that come from? I wonder why I felt that way. Mm-hmm. But if there's a context in which there's like normal parameters around it, you're like, oh, it's all my movie. I'm probably going to cry. Yeah. You can go, okay, I get to feel this feeling and I can be clear on it and know it's, yeah. it's like you get to experience it more instead of hurrying through it yeah. and trying to get to the next yeah. moment. Well, maybe- like, there's a lack of manipulation if you know going in that that's what it's designed that's to do. That's an interesting thought. Maybe it's not that manipulative. Yeah, after you know all. in the beginning. Maybe they're I'm like, gonna, if you want to feel yeah, this way, I'm going to feel this. that way. That's, that's what right. we're here for. Aww. You know, if I want to, you that's know, a kindness, isn't it? Yeah. In a way, yeah, if I want to yeah, eat a good, good food, I make a chili dog. Most people with some <laughs> chili dogs suck. I love them. <laughs> so that you know, foodies around the world are like, that's you're a terrible person. And I'm like, actually, it tastes really, really good, and that's what I came to the table for. Today. You actually make dog. chili dogs at home? Oh, 100%. Yeah. What kind of dogs do you use? Well, I have a plant, of course, a plant dog that I like plant based okay. on. But okay. then there's that a beef helps. dog. Let's not get on that. Okay. Yeah. Chili dogs are fine. But then, man, it makes a big difference. The kind of dog. I do make a gourmet one where I bake it into a croissant with pepper jack cheese inside the croissant. And then I make a homemade pico de gallo and oh do a Jack Daniels mustard Ooh. on it. It's very, very Have good. you been to Audrey wow. Havlini in East Nashville? East Nashville here, and like uh, they have this little hot dog stand called Audrey Havlini, which is my favorite title the for a restaurant ever. ever. And uh, oh, but they have like all of these gourmet <laughs> dogs. They have all kinds of different hot dogs. So. I'm a vegetarian, and I'm like, I want to go. They have a veggie dog. You you could go. Yeah, I dream. It's right behind Fanny's House of Music, which is 
fantastic music shop. Yeah, and that reminds me of. Yeah, I, they don't. The veggie dogs don't feel the same. But I was helping. Uh, we were in this real steep driveway after rehearsal, and there was this maybe uh, black woman in her mid sixties that was so full of personality. She was one of the background vocalists, and she was hilarious. And gosh, Angie's just a funny person, but she was having trouble. The the driveway was really tight and it was really steep and so she needed some help just I said here roll your window down you know make sure you don't hit any trees mm-hmm. and all that stuff giving her the directions so she keeps she's kind of real skittish though and she's got tons of room and I'm just trying to say trust me trust me but I said something like it doesn't feel right and it doesn't look good but you're going to be okay and she said my husband been telling me that for 40 years <laughs> <laughs> Uh, it won't, oh, yeah. so it won't insightful. feel right. Yeah, I love that you right. said that to her. That was best I retort love ever. Love it. Best love retort it. ever. That's perfect. And then she, and then we, she trusted me. She was done. That's all she needed was me to say it's going to be okay. It's <laughs> so great. You guys have been so interesting. I could talk with you really? all day. <laughs> and I and I and again, my two is is fully present, and I'm like, I want to help you make that documentary. Yay! I want to. <laughs> Help you. You don't need any help. You're so. Yeah. You're all. <laughs> Andrew doesn't need. He's he's a dude. He's he a helping everybody. himself. <laughs> Y'all are awesome, and I hope you'll come to to Writer Fest again. Yeah, this year, absolutely. I love you so much, and you're so cool. So, um, but thank you for coming on the Writer Fest podcast. Thank, thank you. you. It was so fun. You. So fun. Thank you. You've been listening to the Writer Fest podcast. For more information. See writerfestnashville.com and follow us on our socials.